like jets. Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rap room. Tongues won't be bitten. Ain't no rules, just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tuning it to the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. No. Any topic. Even the random. 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 I hope that you're ready. We entering in the zone soon. We on a grown shit. Welcome to the rap room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it what? One hundred. Did y'all see that? Did y'all see that? She, hold on, hold on. She gave you a No, I looked at you, and I am like, oh, I'm supposed to say something now. No, no, just rewind it. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. No, okay. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, do it again. Y'all can join in too if y'all do, want. Do it, go ahead, do it we again. Say we okay, go ahead, do it. I'm, re- I'm focused. So here I'm we focused. Go. I got you. Here we go. <laughs> okay. So here we go. Mm-hmm. On the Screenwriters Rant Room, mm-hmm. we keep it street. What? We keep it opinionated. Mm-hmm. And we keep it what? 100. Very That's good. what's up, right. y'all. <laughs> it got a chorus going on. That's, right. what That's what's going on. So on this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, right. stories, craft. Shit like that. Mm-hmm. Word up. Mm-hmm. Word up. So I know y'all hear her voice. Yes. That's my girl. Tis I. Lisa mm-hmm. Bullockaja. Mm-hmm. Lisa B. Yep. Right. Yep. Lisa B. The what? Lisa B. Lisa. What they call? What do you is? Street, street nerdist. The street nerdist. Yes. What that is? Because I'm street. And you what? When I need to be street, I'll bring it. <laughs> but <laughs> the nerd in me uh-huh. nerds hard. <laughs> she always. And I'm, no, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I, I the reason why is that well, I love it, but. The, the the beach bum in me. Oh, boy. Okay, a couple days ago, we had one of the biggest swells that are... I'm from San Diego, y'all. Mm-hmm. And I'm known as the black... Were you in the water I was known there? as the black Gidget of Mission Beach back in the day. <laughs> so I decided to go out, like, you know, I, be, I, be, you know, I watched the surf report, and yeah. they said, it's the big... The swells are coming out. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't have my surfboard anymore because of the accident I had when I was 19, uh-huh. where the board hit me upside the head, and I realized, you know what? Maybe I need to stick with boogie boarding. <laughs> <laughs> close to the hurts. close to the beach, right? I got hit in the head with my <laughs> surfboard when I was like twenty, and mm. I lost a patch of hair from that, and 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 <laughs> the hair never grew back. So you know, I boogie board every now and then. I'm gonna board, but I went out there and I realized that those waves are beating the hell out of me, mm-hmm. and I still have some scars on my leg uh, that are healing up. So I'm kind of achy right now. So y'all see what I gotta do? You see, you see how crazy she is? I told you. Because it just hit you. me, and I realized I was doing my twist. I'm like, oh man, that shit hurt. Like, what am I doing? But anyway, hi. so y'all hear her? That's yes, Lisa it's, B. It's I, right? It's me. Now on the show, we a little crazy. Sometimes we just be saying some serious ass, crazy ass shit. So get ready. Buckle up. So y'all ready? Mm-hmm. Y'all want to get it in? Yep. Let's get it in. Let's get it in. So we got my man here and his brother. The Derek Brothers, the world famous, y'all world famous now, right? <laughs> the Another infamous. world famous supreme uh, no. team. Well, now we are because of you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having us in today. Yeah, we got the Derek Brothers here. Chris Derek and Will Derek. Mm-hmm. Writers, directors, producers. What else y'all do? Animators. What y'all do? All kind of we stuff. Don't, don't y'all do the animating? Don't y'all do write animation? Oh, it's comic graphic. Books. That's comic what it is. Comic graphic books. Graphic, graphic novels. Graphic yes. Novel. And music. Yes. And music. Yes. Mix master. Ice. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just tell y'all a quick little thing so I met Chris a couple of years ago at the Writers Guild um, he and his brother um, are both on you guys on more than one committee or are you just on the black committee I'm also on the uh, the uh, Writers Education Committee yeah yeah I've done that for about two years now yeah because I just joined that like in the last six months or something yeah. like that yeah definitely mm-hmm. 
I mean, because like I would sit around and I would see these these panels and mm -hmm. or I'd miss them and I would say, how come I missed that? That sounded right. so cool. And then I spoke with some other guy. They said, well, it's the writer's education. So I was like, well, if I want to know more about all these panels when they happen and meet mm -hmm. people and everything, then I should get on that panel. And it's Definitely. really cool. There's a lot Definitely. of really cool people on there. A lot of the it's very diverse. The guy who runs it, what's his name? Jeff, Jeff Melvin. Yeah, Jeff Melvin. Like mm -hmm. he, he runs the showrunner. He runs the showrunner training program. He so does? he's just a good person to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just curious. But so that's how I know them from from a couple of years ago. And um, um, so I just thought it'd be like a really cool thing to have these two cats on the show because they got a really interesting journey. <clears throat> and we were just talking on a previous episode. You know, everybody's journey is fucking different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the way you make it is not going to be the way I'm gonna make it. <laughs> the way you got in the guild is and how I got in the guild. You know what I mean? Right, Everybody's right. journey in it is like a completely different thing. So what we're going to do is let's talk a little bit about you guys' journey to where you got to to this point. Um, just gist. Like, here's the gist of how it all goes. Because I want to spend a lot of time. Lisa, I know we all about writing. So we want to talk about your writing process, the projects you guys are writing, things you direct, all that other shit. So give me, where are you guys from? We're from Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, we came out here after graduating from University of Michigan. For me, for my brother from Ohio University, we went to the yes, Ohio University. <laughs> <laughs> the you Ohio sure it ain't Ohio? Ohio, Ohio. Not Ohio like, State. Like the players, right? Like the players, like right? The players, right? Skin tight. <laughs> the go, OU right? players. Mm -hmm. Anyway, continue, please. <laughs> and so we went to. Um, to the summer production workshop at USC, and we shot some films there, and we shot some music videos there, and when it was, and our films, you know, like won the, the best in class, mm -hmm. those type of things, which is really cool. Um, but the biggest kind of like touch we had with, with people in the industry after that was we went to E3 mm -hmm. that just, I think the year after that, we were still out here, mm -hmm. and we ran into Bill Duke. Oh, okay. And we just ran up to him, you know, and said, hey, can we, we love your work, deep cover, all that kind of stuff. And we loved, you know, t uh, we told him we graduated from USC. He's like, well, send me something. Mm. And then we, this is back when, you know, you have to send stuff on like VHS. <laughs> and so oh, we, you didn't even have a Don't CD be laughing at VHS. Hey, VHS what? is, uh, I still have some old VHS. I, I would never let those go. You would, too. I would not let those so, go. He was so awesome. He was so nice to us. And, and he said, guys, I'll make some time for you guys. And so we went to the hotel uh, lobby. and First of all, wait, what did you guys send him? Um, we sent him this short, the stuff we did from school. Okay. And we did a short film called uh, Measured for the Drop. Right. It was a detective movie. And he said, you know what? You guys have something, mm -hmm. but you need some kind of like mentor skills. And... He said, I'll meet you guys for lunch. I'm going to buy you lunch. I'm going to give you some advice. Wow. And, mm -hmm. th and that was just Still do. just mm -hmm. generous guy, mm -hmm. super duper dude. And we sat down and listened to him for like three hours. And mm -hmm. he told us, you have some raw skills, mm. but you got to work on these areas right here, ABC. And once you have those as as strong as the other skills, you might just make it in this town. Mm -hmm. But be patient. Mm -hmm. I said, well, how patient is that? He said, see? see? Be patient. <laughs> Not take you a week. That's it, right? <laughs> he said, years, mm -hmm. if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so from there, we the next
next thing we did is that we shot a short film called The Chop Shop, which mm -hmm. we took to Sundance. And and that opened up a lot of doors for us. I mean, sure. a, a bunch of people saw it. Um, it wasn't in the festival per se. It was in this thing called the, the Digital Filmmaker Showcase. I think it was the first year okay. they showed mm -hmm. digital films at, at Sundance. And I think, I, I don't know, maybe like 10 meetings we got in town just from yeah. that. Wow. You know, so it, wow. And, and that story happens to be a true story? What's that about? Now, okay, so it was actually my huge fuck-up. <laughs> uh, tell it, tell it. Man. I was at the mall one day, and I met this young lady. Uh, I had just been you know, out here for like a n n nine weeks or whatever, mm -hmm. and I met her, and she goes, well, let's hang out. So then we went to her house, and we're drinking, watching TV and stuff, and she got like a little son. So I'm playing with the son, you know, making him sleepy so he goes to bed on time and stuff, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, he goes to sleep. Hmm. So then me and her start to hang out, you know, saying get all, getting all cozy and stuff. <laughs> and I hear a key hmm. hit the lock. Yeah. And I'm like, you have a roommate? <laughs> <laughs> okay, not too forthcoming, bitch. Like. <laughs> now this is our first date really? at her house. She was like, you don't got to take me out. Just come over. Really? I was like, well, how cool is this girl, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I hear this heavy keychain jingling on the door, mm -hmm. and this door opens up, and I hear these heavy-ass boots clomping in the kitchen. <laughs> and I'm like pissed off right now because my clothes, right? <laughs> she spilled some stuff in my clothes, so they were in the wash. No. So the clothes that I came over there were in the wash, Damn. not the dryer, Yeah, ready to go. Still wet. Still wet. <laughs> but I have to go down the hallway, and he's in the hallway. Damn. So I was like, yo, you better go handle that dude. And I jump in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> like he's 16 in the <laughs> And he's beating her up. What? Out, what? Out front. what? Slapping her. Why didn't you call me? Where you been? And now I'm like, damn. Really? Now I got to go protect her ass. <laughs> <laughs> so and I'm butt naked in the closet. Oh, my God. He starts crying. Really? And oh he comes God. looking for the baby. And the baby was in the crib in, our, in the room where I was in. So he comes, so he, so he's gonna come in the room. And I'm like, well, I can't be in the closet anymore. <laughs> I, I'm stuck in the closet. So I jump out the closet and I grab the kid, like, shh, shh, shh. I'm like holding the kid, like, stop crying. Stop Wait, crying. so you got the baby and put the baby okay, in the closet? You with you? No, I'm out the closet. Oh, you out the closet? Okay. I'm like, shh, stop crying, stop crying, stop crying, because he's gonna hear. And the dude is crawling in the room, like, you know, look for the baby. And the dude sees my feet. No. And his eyes trace up, no. and I'm holding his baby yeah. in his house, his in, in, in his bedroom, with no clothes on. I'm Damn. I'm I'm her cousin. Uh, I just got in town, <laughs> so That's I'm Pookie. How you doing? So he's about to stand up, uh -huh. and I'm like, I can't have him get up. Yeah. So I tossed the baby at him. You threw the what? baby. <laughs> threw the baby. <laughs> ran past him. Got my keys off the whole <clears throat> table. Ran outside. Damn. Got in the car and drove home. And because this is a true story, I made a movie about it. Wow. And he liked it. And he said, "That's our next short film. Even if no one likes it, yeah, that's some real shit." Wow. And it happened to get us into Sundance. That's wow. what's up. And we met Robert Redford, but we couldn't talk to him because because he's getting sworn and everything. Mm -hmm. But he actually was in the room next to us watching our film laughing really? and to me that right there was like the biggest honor wow. yet even bigger than Bill Duke 
Sorry, Bill. But, <laughs> hey, I'm but, sure he respected that. Uh-huh. He uh-huh. was laughing at the short. Wow. And I was like, yeah, good short. Now you told that was that was visual. Okay. Dude, I, can I know. Fucking moment. Of that All short. right, I know. It's real though. That movie's online right now. If you go to YouTube and you enter in "The Chop Shop" by the Derek Brothers, okay, you will see that film shot in the shoes. And I'm actually in the movie okay. playing himself. Oh, you played yourself in that? Because the actor that we chose to do it didn't want to do the nudity scenes. Oh, so that was you running so nude in that one. Yeah, yeah, so... That is hilarious. But he could have done it. He was just being chicken. It wasn't like... It, it wasn't it's not like, a hardcore it's movie. No, it's just the butt. It's just the butt. It's just the butt, It's just the butt, Okay. Some of the girls Okay. Yeah, so from there, we... Oh, my God. You know... <laughs> So, like I said, so we got a bunch of, like, 10 meetings in town from that. that and that opened a lot of doors just to meet people. That's, um, I think, how we got our first agents. That's, and then from that, how we got... Did you get them from being at Sundance? No. Somebody there, or he, what well, there was someone over at Fox. That, I guess the guy now who's the head of, one of the heads of Fox, the guy David Madden. Mm-hmm. It, it was, like, someone in his office saw it, and we went in to meet with him, and mm-hmm. we talked to him about a movie, and they talked to us about wanting to write the... Uh, Johnny Cochran story that oh, he really just funny. died or something like that, mm-hmm. and um, you know that didn't work out. I mean, for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but that's how we got our agent, and then that turned into another story about like, um, you know, like how we got into the guild because we got into the guild by we sent. You can tell, yeah. So we had this thing where sometimes we go down to the beach and we just you know go for like long. Story meeting walks like how about this? How about that? That's good. And I read someplace that the saltwater air, once it's in, you know, it's like very cleansing and it's very creativity in uh, sparking. That's what you say, kind of all the time. I'm always always at the beach walking around Mm -hmm. or sitting and thinking. You know. Yeah, and if you live in Los Angeles and don't get down there enough, why are you here? But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. So we're doing that for a couple of days, and one day, this jogger mm. bumps into us. Mm-hmm. So I said, hey, you okay? And he looks at me, and he goes, oh my God, I know you guys. And mm. I'm like, wow, from where, what, what? <laughs> and he says, I used to be an assistant many years ago at a production house that you guys were at, and, and you and you were there for a pitch, and I loved your pitch, really? and everyone liked your pitch, but they didn't buy your pitch, and I felt bad. So now I'm in control of my own production what? company, and I would like to invite you guys to pitch. So you people don't forget. Tell me. For Drumline 2. What? Wow. So I was like, oh, my God. This is so awesome. Yes, we'll be there. Mm. Let me just add a piece. Well, he was in charge of the company, but he said, I want to... To have you submit, mm-hmm. but this is my last week, so <laughs> so, you're co- so, yeah. our, so so our champion is not gonna be there Got when it comes it. time for us to pitch. But we were so excited that that didn't really scare us. So we go home and we're waiting for the phone call from him to mm-hmm. let us know when we can have our date. Mm-hmm. So now this is the most fucked up part about the industry. Mm. Well, maybe tell mm-hmm. it. They call us mm-hmm. and we're like, okay. <laughs> and they go, yeah, you're on the line right now with the studio head and blah, blah, blah. We'd like to hear your pitch right now. Damn, on the spot. Now, luckily, we talked about it. 
Okay. But, but we actually wanted to hear what they wanted so we could ingest it and mm-hmm. spend like a week or longer to get them something really tight. Sure. And they were on the phone right now. So Damn. so I was like, Chris. He's down the hall. He goes, what? I'm like, we're on. He goes, <laughs> he goes showtime. We're on what? I said, we're pitching for Drumline right now. <laughs> so we're sitting here. If they could have seen us, it was mm-hmm. horrible because we're sweating and I'm handing them the phone. He mm-hmm. handed the phone back to me and we're completely winging it. Yeah. I mean, we knew some little small points. So anyway, at the so at the end of the pitch, we are done and they and there's this long silence. And I'm like, oh, did they hang up? Or did, <laughs> or was it that bad? Right. Or was they never on the phone? You know. And after about thirty seconds mm-hmm. of just dark quiet, this voice said, "Uh, yeah, thanks. We'll be in touch." <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, we, <laughs> we suck. Yeah, I hate it sure this. sounds like. It, it? <laughs> I hate this game. You know, I'm gonna go shoot myself. So then, ten days later, we get a phone call, and they said, "You've made the cut." We'd like to invite you in to do it formally in front of the other executives. Now, we had not written this down, hmm. and we had actually... Did you even remember? How much time did you have? Like, no, we didn't. We had 10 days to do it, and it was in, 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 in basically because we didn't think that we really got it because mm-hmm. of the way they behaved, yeah. that we didn't think to go, oh, okay, we just pitched this, let's write down what it was. I mean, okay. wow. you know, like, we come up with kind of the basic structure, but mm-hmm. not kind of like the... The, the touches and things mm-hmm. like that. And so we had this thing where we were like, well, let's go in first. They said, mm-hmm. pick your time. So I said, if we go in first, then no one's going to, there's, there's there's no expectation yet. Sure. You know, you so, hit the bar too. Right, right. right. So, so, so we did that. And w- when we get there, there's other guys in the lobby mm-hmm. who were known writers, yeah. which can be a little bit intimidating, oh, yeah. but, but we actually had some time mm-hmm. and we, had our pitch down so cool that we thought, if you can beat us, mm-hmm. then God bless you. You deserve it, and I'll go watch your movie. That's what you need. <laughs> that's you need to go you, in there yeah. just like that. Yeah. 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 And we went in there, and we were a little bit nervous because it was all new people. We had your first people. real pitch. Our first real yeah. pitch. Well, not not really, but our but I mean, but our first this could happen today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Real pitch, and we did it, and we knocked it out, and that night. Our lawyer said, you got the job. Wow. And we were like, wow, the industry is going to work. The door opened up for us. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the th- you know, the thing about that pitch is interesting. I, I think a lot of people don't know this or remember this, but the producer on Drumline mm-hmm. was Wendy Feinerman. Okay. And so so she won the Oscar for mm-hmm. Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. So when you come to her office, it's like there's a lot of... Know who you're dealing yeah, with, you okay? She's <laughs> <laughs> big time people, and don't knock over my Oscar when you walk in. <laughs> they were so nice to us. I mean, they were so just so just. It could not have been a better experience with them, mm. and and then yeah, the whole process. I mean, just like writing it, the drafts, everything was. Yeah, let, let's get into that a little bit. Let's talk about what it's like to be in development in the studio. I've had a lot of development people in independent. I've been in independent development. What's it like with the studio? Well, you hear a lot of really bad stories. Mm-hmm. and But we're so lucky mm-hmm. because th- those people were so fun to work with. They And they were so clear explaining what they wanted. 
So our only job was to just give them what they wanted. Mm. And we were able to, you know, to exercise our own creative lane, but mm. we but the goal was not to do what we want, it was to do it do what they want our way. Okay. And we didn't have a lot of lumps in the gravy. It was smooth until um, the end when we got a call stating that um, they have changed, that this movie was no longer on the blocks. <laughs> and so. And then she lost her deal and went from really? Fox to, to Sony like after that. So I don't yeah. know. But. And so she didn't lose her deal. She just got a different deal. And so we're thinking, well, was it because of us? Mm-hmm. You know, is it is the writing bad? Do you not like us, us personally? But her assistant was also our new friend, mm-hmm. and they told us, no, 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 no. They love you guys. You're all good. They love your writing, but they got a bigger movie. Mm-hmm. And we learned later on that the movie that landed in their lap was um, um, Devil's Devil Wears Prada. Oh, that little oh, movie. Well, that little, yeah, movie. That, that little tiny little thing. <laughs> now, you know, what, what's that, what's that actress? That she Meryl, that Meryl Streep lady? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Paris, free clothes. Uh, yeah. So I guess I did the same thing, you know. <laughs> it's I would a business, have right? the same thing. So I still love them. They were super nice to us, but many people out there in the streets will tell you that it's it, it's it's hell in those meetings and yeah. they don't respect you and blah blah blah. But they were super, super cool. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think the issue that happens a lot when writing for the studio is that you come up with a clash about what the movie's going to be or how the character's going to be or how you're going to execute some scenes, you know. Mm-hmm. And we had prepared so thoroughly with our treatment that we turned in and how we did our pitch and everything like that that they, you know, knew exactly what we wanted to give them. Um but that's not to say there weren't a couple of wrinkles. I'm, I mean, like there was a couple of like stylistic things that we wanted to throw in there that, um, that just weren't, I think, what they wanted to see. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think for the crazy thing is, is that it was this kind of you know it was when we did it, we set Shawn Mike two in a high school, mm-hmm. and and we had this idea about about doing these uh, to use the school paper. As mm-hmm. like this kind of transition device where you like okay. newspaper mm. yeah yeah definitely uh, headlines and stuff. yeah move mm-hmm. move you through time yeah, yeah yeah and we had they would spin off and spin off this kind of crazy stuff and it just was like no we that's not what this movie is you mm-hmm. know and it was kind of I, I'm not even sure if we explained it right in the the, mo- the movie in the script but then the and there was some friction about that but then the thing that kind of what burned me about the whole thing was is that like a year or two later the same thing was in Ray. Like mm. in Ray, where they use yeah. like like yeah. they use yeah. the, the forty five. Right. I was like, oh, that's exactly mm-hmm. what right. we're talking about. Right. But you know, when you have an argument, it's not that one person is wrong, one person is right. It's that you have not learned how to accurately communicate. Definitely. Because mm-hmm. anybody can acknowledge a good idea, mm-hmm. and so with us, we say that. If they didn't get it, it's because we didn't explain it and have examples mm-hmm. and visual aids, you know, whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's their property. Right. Sure. It's it's not like we made up this movie. Right. So we say, hey, you know what? We're so happy to be here. We're just going to give you what you want mm-hmm. and do it with our kind of skill set. 
you know, for the areas. Learn and from then, it uh, and keep yeah, moving. Definitely. And, and keep things moving. <laughs> well, and see, check, you know? There's something that you said a few minutes ago mm-hmm. about, you know, people remember you. you know? Oh, yeah. And I think that that was our, like, I think our main goal was really that, was mm-hmm. to establish, like, that our reputation was guys who weren't difficult to work with and mm-hmm. we delivered what you wanted with our flavor. So it wasn't just like, you know, so it wasn't some hack work, you know. Sure, and sure. those people, you know, the executive the producer, and, you know, and some of the other people involved had stayed friends with us for, you know, for, like for years afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, and would vouch for us for other jobs and all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff. So, I mean, because I, I was, I was just about to ask you, did so that job didn't pan out fully? Right. Did you guys ever finish the script? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys had turned the script and everything. Turned the script yeah. and everything. Okay. I mean, so know, it just sat on the shelf for a yeah. while, then it ended. Yeah, is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, because the script like was what we used to get a agent at Gersh, and then mm-hmm. he sent it out. Around town, and it got like I don't know. We must have had like forty meetings just off of that script. You know? So you were able to use it as a sample. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and people responded well to it. I mean, a, yeah. a lot. I mean, a lot of people were asking us to do these kind of like you know, these these urban dramedies, mm-hmm. but they have like a music component. I mean, okay. a bunch of these. There were several like. Um, this comedian named Little JJ. I remember him. But he had a biopic over at Paramount. They wanted us really? to come pitch for that. So, I mean, that's the thing that I think is important about you just do the work and you do it so that everyone actually like feels good about you so they can so they can mm-hmm. recommend yeah. you and stuff. You know? Because yeah. I, I remember one time, another time, like when we were doing that job, I think one time before we met with somebody to pitch something to Jennifer Love Hewitt's company. And there was some guy in there, some junior executive who listened to the pitch. Mm-hmm. But he knew about us because he mm-hmm. was in working at Adam Sandler's company. Mm-hmm. And so our agent was able to like call him up and say, hey, can you vouch for these guys? You always said you mm-hmm. liked them. Mm-hmm. And it's like that whole level of like people calling you know, and, 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 and giving you the stamp of approval mm-hmm. is so That's important. The key. That's why the relationships are the most yeah, important. Because yeah. if you don't get that, then, yeah. then you're not going to work. True. Because they want to be, be in the room with someone that they can stand being with for hours and take notes and be like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I want to kill this person. You know, you just want to have good people in the room. Let me exactly. ask you a question. In regard to, because it's funny because your, we didn't really talk about it, but your 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 short film you guys did um, with, with Carl Lewis in it that we were joking about earlier is a really cool you know, like sci-fi action cop type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the Chop Shop thing was this, you know, Straight comedy. You know what I mean? Straight but it's, it's funny, though. Um, one of the cool things that I always talk about, Lisa and I talk about a lot, is being in the independent world, not in the studio system, you have, you have the time and the place to experiment. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Nobody can tell you what to do. They can't say, no, you guys do the cop shit. You shouldn't be doing comedy mm-hmm. or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Let me just ask you this. Because the, the, the projects I've read from you guys tend to be much more darker... Um, edgy drama action, if, if that makes sense. I mean, that's covering a oh, lot. Yeah, yeah. But, you know what I mean? So, have you guys found the lane that you feel the most comfortable in? Or what do, what do you think about that? What's Well, you know, like, I think what, what I, the thing that happens with me is that when we'll write one of these heavy dramas, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's a lot out of you emotionally. Sure. So, I always like, well, can we do something lighter afterwards? You okay. know, that's what we've done. I mean, mm-hmm. it, and that because you live in it for so long. You live in it for right. so long. I mean, yeah. it, that makes it hard, in a sense, for like agents to want to work with you because mm-hmm. they're like, "What do you do?" Yeah, you know. And it's like, well, there's certain writers who you look at that 
at a certain point in their career that you know that they're not being they're not being boxed like that. You mm-hmm. know? But I feel there's a lot of writers who have the ability to to, to jump. I mean, it's like you know, there's a there's a especially two writers. Two, I think two it's writers, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like you know this woman named um, uh, Janine Sherman. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. she started off like writing comedy. Like writing like for the PJs and Jamie mm-hmm. Foxx, and now she was like head of Criminal Minds for mm-hmm. a long time. So it's like the fact that now writers, she's got her own show. Her own show, yeah. yeah. So the fact that writers get pigeonholed because these the because the, the salesmen and the sure. salesman aspect is not just your agents but marketers, everything. The salesman aspect of the industry is so criminal mm-hmm. because it, it has to have it, you have to fit in such a tight box. And if you try to break out of it at all, it's like, oh, no, no, see, you can't do that. And I think a lot of that, because I talk to a lot of agents and managers all the time, and it's always about when they get the call, because I'm mainly focused on TV now. I still do some feature films here and there. But <clears throat> when they get the call to get staffed on the show, they are getting the call going, hey, I need um, like a woman writer who's really good at dramas. <laughs> I mean, it's just like that. Mm-hmm. I need a baby writer yeah. who's good at comedy. Mm-hmm. It's like that simple there's a list oh yeah out there of the people who are hot mm-hmm. and um what do you do to get on that list i guess you have to have a a, a recent hot spec mm-hmm. or you have to have something made you know whatever but we actually wanted to have our names on the lists for more than one genre mm. and you can do that if you're lucky, but I guess you shouldn't do that. But we want to do that because... Have you been able to do that, or are you still trying to do that? Um, well, there was a time when our comedy stuff was allowing us meetings. Okay. And then a long time later, mm-hmm. because that had to, you know, like to, because that had to kind of like evaporate, we mm-hmm. then were on lists for the, you know, for like the more heavy action stuff. Okay. And that's... Where we are right now, but we're kind of like this. There's light comedy in the action. Oh yeah. Not enough to make it an action comedy, but just enough to make it, you know, with some levity, mm-hmm. you know, and that allows us to not be so serious all the time. Because sure, if, you sure. know, I mean, because if you write all day, like you know very well, mm-hmm. you get off and you are what you've been in. Yes. All day. I'm drained by yeah. the end of the day. Yes. <laughs> you know, you know, and then like if now imagine if you had to be funny. Mm-hmm. All the time, what pressure is that? When mm-hmm. the minute y- y- you deliver some jokes that are just kind of, eh, mm-hmm. you get replaced. Yeah. <laughs> now, w- we know guys who are really good comedy writers, and they're always on, mm-hmm. like the late Robin Williams. Oh, they're God. just always on, and that. I salute them, but that is so crazy. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing about that is, even Robin Williams, it's like there's got to be that moment when he's not in the public eye, mm-hmm. when he's not on, and it's like, you know, what life is he living in, you know, and, and, and what dangerous soup is he living in? Because there, there's, I mean, there's a good friend of ours, he's a very good comedy writer, mm-hmm. and he's very uh, fast with jokes in public with you, just everything is, you know, he's got some mm-hmm. one liners, but then there's always those moments when he's not. Mm. You know, and I think that's the thing that is difficult, like doing comedy. Sure. You, you can't always be funny. I mean, no. shit happens in life that mm-hmm. you're not gonna be funny. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you got something? 
No, I'm listening. I'm, oh, okay. I'm engaged. Usually I'm <laughs> yapping away and I'm just like, listen, like, yeah, that is true. Oh, God, development hell. So keep going. Mom. Well, let's talk about your writing process. As and I said, there's two of, the, two of you. I'm sure you guys have been asked this question before. <clears throat> I'm just always curious about it because I always think, and I'm sure you guys have developed a system for yourself because there are plenty of writers where, you know, well, he writes, I dictate. Or he writes and I stand over him and we act out the scenes, whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's good at structure, I'm good at character. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what have you guys found out that works for you? What is your system? All of the above. Um, I think every scene or sequence requires its own kind of like, if you will, formula. Mm-hmm. But um, there are nights when I'm typing and he's over my shoulder mm-hmm. and then vice versa. And we do a lot of like uh, role playing of the scenes Mm -hmm. and then there's moments where we understand what has to happen or we don't really Mm -hmm. and we say break off bring me a version and we each bring a version and we say oh that's interesting that's really yeah yeah. let's take the best things from the two versions Mm -hmm. and combine them and to keep it moving Mm -hmm. and that way you don't ever second guess yourself Mm -hmm. true because you have a superior opinion, mm-hmm. if you're like, uh, I don't know where I'm at, that one is, is is there for you. Or if you really think you're doing something right and you look at the alternative and you like yours better, then you're like, yeah, I was right, keep moving. <laughs> and, you, and you can stay confident that way. Mm-hmm. You know, because, if, because it's easy as a writer to say, oh my God, I'm not doing this right, I'm not hitting the mark. But when you have a, a smart person next to you who is weighing all the options mm-hmm. not able to defeat your logic mm-hmm. you keep moving and well well quentin tarantino says the guy in in the room with the biggest voice always wins so it's kind of played for that a little bit mm. yeah but like i mean i i don't want to get into his his oh, I'm not situation s- too yeah. much but like i don't necessarily believe that because i, I mean the thing about his films just quick is they're all too long. There's no one who's who's editing his totally shit. Totally agree with you and on then, that. And then, and what Fucking you, 20 minutes can be cut. Easily. No, an hour. <laughs> that too. You know, and, yeah. and then people tell you, oh, mm-hmm. he's got two hours on the floor in the editing room that he left. And it's like, <laughs> well, what's going on? <laughs> but the loudest voice in the room does not mean it's the smartest voice. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of writers mm-hmm. are not confrontational screamers. Mm-hmm. So you that doesn't work with me. Understood. If you have if you have something to say, I am quiet until you're done, and I'm gonna digest your input thoroughly mm-hmm. before I open my mouth. Love that. Giving you your respect, weighing all the options, understanding what your idea could be, even if you didn't hit your idea the right way. Mm-hmm. I say, well, maybe if your idea was this way, it would be better. Is that what you were thinking? And then you're never slighted. Because you're not the loudest voice in the Absolutely. room, you know? Mm-hmm. See, that goes to the, the art of giving notes. Right. You know, there's an art to it. There's right. a way to it of, without offending somebody. Mm-hmm. You go, that was really cool how you did that. Have you thought about mm-hmm. going to the left? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? mm-hmm. If you work with a partner, here's how it could go wrong. Mm-hmm. You have an idea that's maybe not perfectly developed, but it's just a idea. A, a nugget. Huh? And then they just go, no, and they keep on going. <laughs> 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 like, but wait a minute. There's, <laughs> there's ways that my idea can work mm-hmm. if you want to play with it. Sure. And if you don't feel like your ideas are being stretched out, mm-hmm. 
it can cause a rift. I feel you. L luckily, we've already have years and years, you know, True. and so that doesn't happen with us. But we've actually been approached by some people who wanted to write with us, mm -hmm. you know, for their projects. And we see, oh, I see what you're saying. You cannot be told anything. Mm. Or not good. you have to win every argument. Mm -hmm. So we're just mm. typewriters in the room right now. Not good. Not right. going to work here. No. Right, you know? right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was a recent situation that that was the case. You know, mm -hmm. the, the guy, um, you know, he had ideas that, uh, that, that weren't fleshed out. And then and he was fighting for them in a way that wasn't... Um, you know, because sometimes, you know, if, if you're looking at the story and you're throwing out ideas, there's certain things that you're like, well, this is going to pull the house, you know, like, you know, the house of cards down, mm -hmm. or this is just not the right tone, or, mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and if you're going to fight for the idea, not think about how it fits in the whole, the whole gestalt of it all. Mm -hmm. then it's, it's a puzzle. This is, you know, <laughs> it's know? a problem. Mm -hmm. see, see, he's called the cool scene guy. Ah. But if you have the cool scene, and it harms your whole thing from mm -hmm. it, then it has to go right. or be saved for later. Yes. And if you don't even know that, mm -hmm. then you know you're gonna fight loud and hard and slam over the table and stuff. You got problems. <laughs> we flipping Definitely. tables in here. <laughs> well, you, well, you know, because you know, I, 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 well, there's two things about, about about writing with a partner that is interesting is that you, you know, the thing about when you're writing is that you never know what you did you did mm -hmm. the work and you're like okay so until someone reads it mm -hmm. you know and then they tell you oh yeah, this is good or oh no you didn't do it yeah. so that so when you're writing with your partner it's like that spot check is constantly happening sure. you know like oh you know this is this language isn't right or this not the way you wanted it or you know you know this is cool but here's how we can say it you know in pictures not in dialogue and, okay. and that always works better mm -hmm. you know i mean so that's that's kind of the thing, you know, and also it goes back, like he was saying, about the ideas that you got to kill, mm -hmm. you know, because I think it's mm -hmm. really hard for any writer to kill their babies, yeah. you know, but then you got someone else who's, who's, who's sitting there, you know, with the butcher knife the minute it comes <laughs> out, you know, then... <laughs> it, doesn't give you, it doesn't give you a lot of time to get stuck on it either, <laughs> though, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> we do like your ideas. Just be yeah, diplomatic. Course. Like, we're going to let this baby be adopted by somebody else <laughs> at a different... We're not going to kill it. We're just going to let it be adopted exactly. someplace. We're going to foster home it for a little minute. Save your ideas for later. <laughs> yeah, so mm. that happens, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, but, you know, it's, you know... It's like if you were a uh, boxer and you're getting in the ring and I'm your... Uh, you know I was training Mayweather. You know that. That's my character. You know that, right? <laughs> well, well, good luck on that next week. <laughs> good luck on that next week. Um, <laughs> we going to get it in next week. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're the one in there, but mm -hmm. you actually don't know what your corner man is advising you on. Mm. He is studying things that you're just not you able can't to see, see mm -hmm. because you're in that zone. Sure. And the teams that have the best corner man boxer communication, I feel, mm -hmm. are the smarter approaches. I feel. That's just me. But mm -hmm. then again, there are guys out there who are brilliant that mm -hmm. do this all by themselves. Mm -hmm. And you take your hats off, you know, those guys, because they just have... They're in the zone. Yeah, some people have that gift. Yeah. <laughs> some people just do. Well, that's true, but I also feel like that's part of that's part of people's mystique. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, there was all this talk about 
take the screenplay her right mm-hmm. how everyone was like oh great script by spike by spike but i know that he Uh-oh. spoke you know what she loved that script no 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 it's not no it's not, <laughs> okay. to, do, not to do about his bed i, I thought right. it was great too but he spoke i think at the academy awards he was saying you know that david o russell mm-hmm. is like his sounding board so mm-hmm. he sends stuff to like a, a, a cadre of people who are sure. right there who give mm-hmm. him the notes before you know it gets to go out and it's I mean if you're Spike Jones and you can go to David O. Russell at any time and say read and give me notes I mm-hmm. mean that's like that's the lucky thing definitely you know because my ideal most people don't have that but mm-hmm. so yeah oh that was an amazing script amazing uh, she don't, don't play with me. I read the, the first six pages I read and like this is the one that's going to win the Oscar yeah. everybody's like what? we got this other stuff? <laughs> look Put your money down right now, people. <laughs> I only missed out on three awards last Oscar season. True, true. Two were technical ones where eh, it could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one was where I thought Meryl would get it. Mm-hmm. But don't play with me when it comes to scripts. Five, <laughs> five pages in, it's like, this one right here. True Y'all heard true it first when I predicted back in January and what had happened. People are like, I had no idea. What are you talking about? <laughs> Even Pilar was like, I don't think that script. She did. Learn something, people. Let me ask you a question. So how do you, so we're learning about how you guys do as writers. How do you guys do when you direct? How do you guys um, work that well, way? Well, that's a, okay. We switch off between camera and actors, and we explain that. Explain wait, that. yeah, because it's like I'm always curious when people do both. When you have two people directing, like how does that work? Okay, yeah. well we well generally we write our own scripts. Sure. If that's the case, we've written it and discussed it so many times in mm-hmm. such detail that the other person knows what the other person's thinking. Okay. So if he's talking to the actors, the, then I know for a fact he's going to tell them what we've been talking about for months. Mm-hmm. Okay, So I don't have to go over there and say, did you tell him the right thing? Mm-hmm. Okay, And with the lighting, if it's going to be dramatic lighting or a move that accentuates a stress point, you know, we will have worked it out with our DP mm-hmm. so many times before we get there mm-hmm. that getting there is basically supervising the plan that we've... So the game plan is all set, mm-hmm. organized. Yeah. Sure. But sure. there's so many things that go wrong on a set mm-hmm. and there's details that have to be looked at that it's cool to have an extra to the eyes there, you know, because stuff's happening so fast mm-hmm. and you and you might and you will forget something mm-hmm. over the course of a month every single day all day. <laughs> and so if it's like say for example, you know, I, I, you know I mean like like he is a photographer. Okay. So there's a little bit more expertise in the lens choices. Mm-hmm and the focal length Mm -hmm. that I understand, Mm -hmm. but I kind of say, well, you know what? If you have a stronger opinion on that, then show me an example. Mm -hmm. He'll go look it up, you know, whatever, boom, boom, boom. And I'll say, brilliant, do it. And then I can go with the actors and say, guys, let's just relax and get in the zone mm-hmm. here and I'm just there with them in a way where they feel so comfortable around me that they can be free not be judged and now, by the way I never asked do you guys have an acting background at all too were you ever actors at all or well uh, I mean I've never acted officially mm-hmm. but 
But, but, but Unofficially, though. It's like I put myself in a movie, though. Uh, I don't even do that. I don't, I don't like to do that. Um, but but I think it was like two or three different acting classes we took for like six mm-hmm. months at a time. I mean, that's critical to understand so. that process mm-hmm. because yeah. work with actors. you don't know what to say to them if mm-hmm. you don't know how their process works. Sure. And it's just, you know, just, I mean, you, you know, there's a few prominent, you know, like schools, we'll say, sure. you know, Meisner method, whatever. And mm-hmm. it's like, if you're familiar enough with those terms and understand like, you know, like what, you know, like what the result is going to be, if you know those terms, that helps you. Sure. Be- because what you don't want is not to know those terms mm-hmm. and try to get results from people. Mm-hmm. And then you start talking in a way that, you know, sounds Oh, that sounds right. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, but yeah. You need to be be more be like be more angry here, <laughs> and that doesn't mean anything to anybody. Because yeah. and, and the reason why is because you know more angry means something different to you than what it does to me. Mm-hmm. So you know, so we had to get to that common ground, and that's where the, the acting the acting like classes that teach you that and mm-hmm. explain to you that. I mean, if if, if you're serious about mm-hmm. understanding their craft, I mean, and that's one of the weird things about making movies is that there's so many different disciplines that you need to be familiar with. Like you got to understand like graphic arts. You got to, mm-hmm. you know, for your titles. You, I mean, you gotta like an MMA fighter, you have to know many styles, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, okay, one, a lot of people think that it's easy to be an actor, but those guys, you really have to take off your hat to them because that is not easy. If it looks easy, that means that they're brilliant. I was an actor for 20 years of my life. <laughs> and, and when they know that you have taken the time to really respect and learn their language and their space required and their time to get into it, they will give you so much more. And I feel that the worst thing that you can do on a set is to have your actor not trust you, not like you, mm-hmm. be, be afraid of you, or be intimidated by you because you will not get what you want. And you really have to become one with their understanding of the character and let them teach you who your character is and respect that. And, yeah. then, and then they're stronger that way. Well, yeah, because like, Part of what happens if you don't have them in the right places, depending on how deep that they are in the game, they'll start watching themselves Mm -hmm. and try to monitor their own performance. And that's like death. Because then it's like, (laughs) you know, I mean, you've seen that in so many short films Mm -hmm. where there are these films that don't go anywhere that the actors are giving away Mm -hmm. what's going to happen or or they're pushing on the emotion. And it's like, because like he was saying that they don't trust you and if they're not emotionally secure then they won't open the vein for you and you need that every time well, because that's mm-hmm. that's what it well, is since you guys are talking about short films let me just ask you how did you guys get carl lewis in the project you guys what was it called um, <laughs> it's called fuck you pay me it was what <laughs> oh that's what it, that's right that's what it's called, called yeah. fuck you pay I forget me about that that was that's um, the real title right that's right. the real title of the movie um well first of all he did a good job in there, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised yeah. he ain't acting some more. I mean, dude, actually, he's going to come skills. back into the game. Well, he's not. The, I mean, wait, 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 wait. So we had some. Well, I had some debt issues in like I guess that year, mm-hmm. and I had this debt collector calling me up. <laughs> Out there th- gambling, I see th- you threatening <laughs> me. 
Really? He was threatening me. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, I know where you live. Blah, blah, blah. You're late again on your payments. <laughs> and and he was actually <laughs> assumed the role of the any time of day or night mm-hmm. phone call terrorist. So I was like, what if this dude really was able to do what he wanted to do mm-hmm. to me? And we started talking about it. And we said, you know what? We have to have a militarized force of <laughs> sci-fi debt collectors that have all the toys to get in your house and to, you know. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so then that's how the idea um, sparked off. Now, you never know how you're going to get your money for a film. Mm-hmm. And that's the most frightening thing of all. But we have been extremely blessed mm-hmm. in that when we write a film, for some strange reason, the money just comes. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't happen every time. Me too. I and I wish you. it would happen tonight, mm-hmm. but the money just came. Mm-hmm. And we were and we're big... Because uh, yeah, your, your short movie was not cheap. I know y'all probably got a lot of favorites and shit, but that motherfucker looked pretty good. Thank you know, you. Well, just the sets and the way you guys move, the camera, just everything, you know what I mean? It was not cheap. Special effects. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Thank you. So we had this house party mm-hmm. <laughs> watching a, um, um, I forget what it, it was. And it was packed. Mm. And my brother was like, hey, is that guy over there look familiar to you? So I was like, I don't know who that is. And <laughs> and I said, is that Carl Lewis? No, nah, that can't be Carl Lewis. Really? <laughs> I don't know Carl Lewis. So Carl Lewis was actually at our house. At your house. Standing there drinking a beer <laughs> in the corner by himself. And I was like, what the fuck? So I <laughs> went over to him. You know, I said, nice party, huh? He's like, yeah. And we're talking, and then he realized that it was our house, and he's just the coolest dude, man. Mm-hmm. He he was into the, you know just everything, so we explained to him very soon after, not that night, that we had this idea and we wanted to do this movie, and he goes, yeah, that sounds cool, but then he had us over at his house mm-hmm. for a house <coughs> party of his own, mm-hmm. and we really. Now, 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 this was happening right around the time of um, Drumline, too. Okay. And we were actually being considered, hmm. for a very short time, to be the directors of that movie. Oh, really? But they gave us this thing. You know, you've done all these comedies, and, and they're cool, but you have to let us know that you can handle a dramatic performance from an actor of note. Right. Which... Which is such a huge feat, yeah. mm-hmm. because if I had the money, I could do my own movie. But mm-hmm. you know, so craziest thing, right? We're at Carl's party. Leonard Roberts from Drumline mm-hmm. is sitting there at the party. Really? I go up to him. <laughs> I'm like, "Yo, what's up, man?" He's a super cool dude. He was very, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm, he's into it. And I asked him if he'd be in the movie. Mm. He said, "Well." Let's talk about Drumline first. <laughs> so I mailed him the script. He read it, and he goes, I'll be in your short. Really? And we now, just what's interesting, too, about Drumline is that, is that his character mm-hmm. from the original movie, we, mm-hmm. had, we, had, we had coincidentally made him the star of Drumline, oh, really? too. 
So I think that was something. So Nick is gone out of that one. Is that what? Well, it yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Because because when we did it, it was set in high school. So oh, and, that's right. and so his character graduated, and he was like a band director at high mm-hmm. school, you know. And 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 so Leonard was really gracious with his time, and he mm-hmm. said, like he said, he said, you know, I'll do the movie. I just have a quick anecdote and go back to the story. Um, at the house party with Carl, you mm-hmm. know, it's like at the time we were living over in Brentwood, and there was all these like uh, kids from UCLA who lived mm-hmm. around in our building across the hall and they were at partying with us. So it was kind of like these, like a college type of party mm-hmm. type thing, you know? And he ate, and he outdrank all those really? kids. God, it was so funny. funny. <laughs> like those, people, those people were challenging him to drink. And he was like, bring it on. We're going to go through six packs. Yeah. Yeah. Drink. I was like, That's damn. And, and, and he's got no body fat. I know. He's, just, he's just ripped to shreds mm-hmm. and... You're thinking, where is all that going? But he <laughs> is the man when it comes to that. Do not challenge him to drinking. <laughs> so anyway, um, we got Leonard involved. Mm-hmm. And then he told the people at the studio that he was interested. That uh, No, no, no. We let them look at our short film with him in it. Mm-hmm. And then they said, oh, you can handle actors that we've already vouched mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. and then we actually thought n- not th- I mean not that they told us though but we thought we were going to be directing Drumline 2 mm. and uh, so it didn't get to happen but um, which we went in debt for and then we got <laughs> If You Pay Me and then in If You Pay Me um, what's your question again about no, Carl, Carl. Was, yeah, 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 I was yeah, just yeah. asking how you guys had got him at first. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's basically yeah, well, I mean, well, he said, this is the style of story that educates. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to get behind something very positive. And he asked us, do you think black people are going to come to see a sci-fi movie? You and know what? Damn. And I this said, was a couple of years ago, though. Right? Yeah. And so I said, if you're in it, hmm. they're going to come see it. So he goes, well, let's just do our best. And he was great. He was really good. He was really good. Well, yeah. well, see, the thing about Carl is that a lot of people said that he was very um, stiff and he's mm-hmm. hard to act with. And people and, and, and most people who have said they were really impressed because I guess they've seen his work before. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that we did as that we did as directors to figure out. Again, is you got to figure out how to get these actors to trust you and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And and one of the things we did is we said, look, in these scenes where you're emotional, you got to like let the guard down. Because when mm-hmm. you meet Carl in most places, mm-hmm. because he's a celebrity for the last what almost thirty years, he's got a, he's got guard up in yeah, a sense. Where, right. I mean, he's fun to be around, but mm-hmm. he's let you in. Okay. And so what we were like, we were like, okay, so this is nineteen eighty eight, mm. and you just lost to Ben Johnson. They went down. Yeah, we gonna get to your core, like <laughs> core. Yeah. This is not, now. Now, at the moment, you haven't heard about the steroids. You just mm. lost to him. So go there and then do the scenes. Okay. You know, and I, I mean that, that that was helpful. You know, sure. it was very helpful to get to get yeah. those scenes to work. Just knowing mm-hmm. how to like to manu- to maneuver the psychology of the the talent because that's I mean that's mainly your. Job. I blasted it again yesterday on. On my Facebook page, and I had a hell of people going, "Dude, that movie was cool. That movie was cool." So I know y'all probably had a hell of people see it already, but some people were like, "Oh yeah, I saw that a while ago. Oh, I saw that." So yeah, what year? What, what year it. was it? I'm trying to remember. What year was that? Was it two thousand seven, two thousand eight at the at the Black uh, the Hollywood yeah, Black Film Festival? Right. Okay, because yeah. yeah. okay. I must yeah, I think that was the year after I came I came back to Sundance. I was like, people, Sundance. 
<laughs> but, so just, wait, ahead, but wait, wait. But here's the thing. I love sci-fi. And I think that was the main reason why I went to go see that short. Because when mm-hmm. I was like, looking in here, because you, know, you, you go to film festivals and you see stuff. And after a while, a lot of film festivals, you see the same type of stories mm-hmm. over and over again. And so I can't, I'm trying to remember if I even read the blurb what it was about. I think I went in and just to go see a bunch of different shorts. And, and when it came out, I just remember when it came, I was like, please, Lord, let this be a flying car. <laughs> like, I'm just thinking. I didn't know. I had no idea. I was like, please let this let. And it happened. And it was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. And I remember how excited I was. Mm-hmm. To see that, because you don't get to see that much what people call their in sci-fi anyway. Okay. And I just remember just thinking, oh my God, who are these people? Mm-hmm. What? Why are we not doing more stuff <laughs> like this? Why? Why are we not doing that? So, are you guys doing more sci-fi stuff, like in your your future projects that you're working on? Yeah, yeah, we're right now. Because we need it. Oh, no, right, right now we're working on uh, a low-budget sci-fi film really? noir. Hmm. It's modern day though. Really? Um, you, you know, because we had a lot of fun doing science fiction. I, I mean, what we like about it is that is the social commentary that mm-hmm. you can just do, that you can plug in. I mean, for some reason, mm-hmm. you know, you, can, you have a hard time doing that in a modern day film. Sure. Everyone is thinking you're preachy and shit like that, but you mm-hmm. throw it in a, you know, you're doing the giver and all of a sudden people are like, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> message. <know? laughs> you know, the message can, can, can fly out. Right. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're doing mm-hmm. that one, uh, which we're really close to there's some interesting casting meetings we're having in the next couple of weeks. I mean, we'll talk more about that later. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's what, that's what we want to do. I mean, just science fiction is such a it's such a it's such a fertile ground of filmmaking, mm-hmm. of storytelling, of addressing what's going on in our world. I mean, I think one of the things that storytellers, writers have a responsibility to do is you know talk about what's happening in the world around you sure. and make some sort of statement. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, I, I mean, you know, the best type of work, science fiction, what have you, is it entertains you, but it also makes you think. You know, there's okay. always this really interesting uh, quote. This girl, what's her name? Her name is Dolette McDonald. She's a backup singer for Sting, right? And, she, and if you look at that documentary, oh, Twenty Feet from Stardom. No, no, no. no. Is it Into the Night or uh, the yeah. one? The, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Into the Night. Yeah, Bring All the Night. She uh-huh. says one of the things about his music is it makes you think and it makes you feel, you know. And, mm-hmm. I, and that's what we look at when we want to do films. Is that okay. we need you because if you just feel, then as soon as the feeling's over, how much are you are like are you thinking about the movie? If you mm-hmm. just think. Then maybe the movie's too dense for people, and then they get turned off by it, or and mm-hmm. there's, there's less of an audience for whatever reason, mm-hmm, you know, because sure. they're not, they don't feel. So, so to combine those two is is kind of what we want to do. Yeah. So the movie that we're doing right now is, it's a sci-fi detective movie, but it takes place today, present time, and um, we don't want to talk that much about it right now but we definitely will be back here to let you know it's shooting or it's our shoot date is started or when it's done you know uh, because the casting that we're going to have will be that's a feature yeah Mm -hmm. okay a mixed cast and so there will be intelligent strong black people in this Mm -hmm. it will not be a black movie though and because because that's not what the world is, right. and it, and we think that this will will open up some doors, mm-hmm. and it will change what you're used to, and and it will get you into sci-fi. 
Mm. I hope so, because we need it. I know earlier before we even started taping, we were talking about... Uh, Snowpiercer. <laughs> right, right. Which, and I think you hit it on the head. I think that was why I enjoyed that movie so much, is because it did make me think, and I was really entertained. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard, because a lot of the films I've been watching over the summer, even though it was like, entertained, but it was like, at the moment I walked out the theater, and I was like... All right, I guess that was it. And it wasn't. And I, I think one of the things I miss is, especially the really good old school sci fi, is once you see it, because y'all remember when The Matrix came out, mm-hmm. how many times you went in the theater to go see it? It was like, oh my God, stop. It made you think, it made you feel something. And I'm missing that from a lot of the, the genre stuff that I'm watching now mm-hmm. is that combination of both of those things where the spirit and the heart and everything is watching the film, and I'm really thinking about it. And even with Snowpiercer, with some of the friends that didn't like it that much, mm-hmm. or people who had picked out all these different plot holes and was like breaking it down like a dissertation. I'm like, bitch, it's just a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but you want that, though, because that means that there's a new perspective you can l- learn from in the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think one of the issues is this. I mean, and you kind of made an interesting point about bringing up The Matrix, is that what are our genre films now? Right? Our genre films now are all kind of these... It's Hunger Games, The mm-hmm. Giver. This all young adult stuff, and the, the only issue with young adult stuff is it's not adult for a reason, and mm-hmm. the, and adult stuff has got philosophy that's that's woven in it very okay. very well. I mean, there's all that Schopenhauer that's mm-hmm. in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. You can't put that in, you know, Marx stuff. I mean, in, anything like that in the YA stuff, because then everyone will think the audience doesn't like that. Their kids are they going to get it? Blah blah mm-hmm. blah. But it's like that's what made. Science. I mean, like that's where science fiction is so fascinating. Is that you can talk about, you know, you know, like like different ideology. I mean, sure. I just read an interesting article in the Guardian yesterday about the whole thing about these YA movies, mm-hmm. how they're really right wing propaganda in a sense because <laughs> oh, people they go, they go in there like yeah, well, <laughs> this is interesting because this is coming out of England and it's like yeah. okay, this is why this is this is this whole argument. This argument is is that in all these movies. The state yeah. is the problem. True. And the state, from what we know over here, is like what is what is like that's what the neoliberals are talking about. Okay. But if you think about movies that are prior, like from the eighties and seventies, it's usually government. Mm-hmm. Not government, but business, which mm-hmm. is the criminal. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and or the upper class. Right. Mm-hmm. So now we look at it as like, you know, I, I mean I think about this, I've read articles, I was like, yeah, you know what? If you look at the Hunger Games, they're living in like a bad Marxist society. Mm-hmm. There's never any industry. There's never any business. Who's doing anything on their own? It, it looks like nobody owns anything. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's a straight communist situation. And then, and the state's all fine with that. And I mean, I was just like, that's, and that is probably an argument that no one has even thought about to put in those movies. Mm-hmm. But, but, but why not? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, talking about some of the stuff that's going on now, in one of the episodes we just did, and I mentioned Ferguson. And I talked about, if you want to talk about, like, some of the images that are coming out, because I was on top of that that whole situation, like, two hours after Mike Brown was killed, like, literally, before anybody else was even talking about it, we were going about, like, how are we going to organize? We, we can't, we got to let people know. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I remember tweeting out to them, to people, like, you know what, this is like, look, I don't care about the Hunger Games and all that, y'all can have that, but we are living in a dystopia right now, and it's oh, called St. Louis, L.A., and a couple other places. <laughs> it's like, we are having our Octavia Butler moment right now. Mm-hmm. So while y'all going to the theaters and watching the Hunger Games and giving all that other stuff, which mm-hmm. is great, entertainment and all that, sure. like, uh, black people living there right now. 
But we're not telling those type of stories, and people can't understand that. We're dealing with the state right now. Like, you know some some dystopian stuff when you got people in the Gaza Strip tweeting people in St. Louis, (laughs) like, this is how you deal with tear gas. (laughs) 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 You know, to the homies over here. I'm like, are you got to be fucking kidding me? Like, the stuff that was coming out, like, I, I couldn't even make this shit up. Mm. Watching that, that whole, and it's happening right now, and how all of a sudden, it really, it, it, it was, it's a sci-fi movie in real time. Because next thing you know, I swear to God, it was like the, uh, do you guys read Octavia Butler? I love her movie. Um, you read uh, Parable of the Sower, where they have the big uh, militarized police things that are called maggots in the book. Mm. And when that shit rolled up in real life, and I'm looking at my timeline, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, Octavia, <laughs> she predicted this stuff. It's happening mm. right now. Mm. And it's like, and just the imagery that was going on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're talking about right wing and you're talking about dystopian stage. You're talking about this stuff. It's happening right now. Right, right. I mean, well, In real life. Well, the thing about all that. It's that, just black people, though. And we don't want to see that movie. <laughs> we'll see it on a big screen. Well, you know. Well, I'm trying to think that, there was a movie that came out of England that I don't think got a big release over here, but I, and I, I, I've wanted to see it. It's, I think it's called Attack the Block. Shut up. Oh, it's you, over here. Oh, you, you didn't see it's that It's one yet? of our favorite movies. No, Shut I haven't up. seen it. Oh, I mean, so, you have got so, to see it. So, Attack I mean, the Block. and I was like, yeah, because that, I mean, the whole word on it was. That's my style. You know, that's my style. You guys know it's (laughs) it's this whole thing about like we're in the inner city and Mm -hmm. how they respond to like alien invasion because I Mm -hmm. feel like (laughs) they fight the fuck back. Yeah, because I think you know (laughs) if you look at something like you know War of the Worlds and you look at in this Mm -hmm. movie, I've not seen it, but it's like just the gist of it is like okay, there's a response that's different. I feel Mm -hmm. that, and that's the thing about what happened in Ferguson is that you see those images and you see. This stuff that is, you know, it's out of 1984. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's from THX, and it's like, but it's, it's happening today. I remember there was some, I, I wanted to find this, but I didn't find it anymore. There was somebody on CNN late at night who was suge- some newscaster who was suggesting they turn the water cannons on these people. Child, and then the, and then the whole and dude, the brother that was next to her, yeah, look, yeah, gave her side eye like, did you, not, did you, like, did you miss the civil rights lecture in school? <laughs> like that moment, like it, the, the cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. when she said that at that moment. Mm-hmm. And brother, I was like, oh, I'm cute, because I thought, if I was there, I would have been like, bitch, what are you talking about? And that dude was in her did that. She Be- said it like Yeah, nothing. and it was like, mm-hmm. do you even understand what, what you're saying in that moment? And it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I don't even get me started. <laughs> but that's the thing i mean in, in, in going back to the movies and story and films i mean like that's the kind of you know it's like the, like the one thing that I, I guess there was always this rumor i don't know if it's true i mean who's going to verify this that that the wachowski <laughs> brothers they really wanted will smith to play neo you know oh, really yeah and he and, turned it and, 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 supposedly he turned, he turned, he turned it, down it down to go do wild wild west yeah you know, so, but but you kind of see there's that next level then in the second two films where he has well not he but those two brothers they put a lot of people of color mm-hmm. in like you know they New did. Zion and yeah. I think that's kind of the element that I, I have to admit not to cut you off when I saw that in the Matrix mm-hmm. and I also saw that in a lot of Luc Besson's films mm-hmm. like Fifth Element I'm not saying I got uncomfortable I, it's, th- those moments there were moments where I was watching the Matrix and looking at that and I was like. Dude, you putting a lot of people of color in there. Like it was like Zion was like that's the people that live around the corner from me right mm-hmm. now. Like you walk outside, that's what I see. And it all and it was sad to say that I, for a minute I, I kind of felt a slight discomfort. 
not discomfort in the in a way. It was kind of like I had not seen that before. Right. In sci-fi. And so it was, like and so it was odd because it's like even though in my mind I know that's how it is because right. the world, you know, people mm-hmm. melanated people, we we do dominate everything mm-hmm. else the, on the planet. But in terms of real life where it's headed, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what the world's going to look like. But for a person like me who comes from a multiracial background, mm-hmm. you know, to see that and for me to be uh, kind of uncomfortable, like mm-hmm. that's a, like, oh God, there's way too many people. Why am I saying that? Why am I saying that where there's an even distribution of all the races mm-hmm. in these films? Why is that narrative kind of like making me kind of uncomfortable? And I had to really check myself. Yeah. Like, why is the Matrix seeing that? Why am I like, wow, that's not really real. I, I think it's because it's so, uh, it's such a foreign image to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to say that's a wrong image, but I mm-hmm. feel like, I feel like Tyler Perry got a lot of, there was a lot of like snipe at him mm-hmm. when he was in an authority position in in J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. I have to admit, I did laugh when I see that because it was so unexpected. Because, you know, you saw him in one world and then you see him here and you're like... (laughs) He's all straight. (laughs) He's not playing Medea. But I felt like, you know, you you look at these message boards online and, like, you felt... I felt like that some of the comments were, you know, not the the dichotomy image of who's this guy, Mm -hmm. but it's like, who's this guy black in power and and he's in our movie, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like... but. Star Trek is not your movie. Like Star Trek, I mean, the whole thing about Gene Roddenberry's philosophy was is that we don't get to the stars until we solve the problems exactly. of the planet. Ah, interesting. And it's okay. like, you know, I mean, that was his whole message. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really interesting thing I saw on um, Bill Maher mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago where he had uh, George Takai on, mm-hmm. and he was saying that, you know, there was a lot of talk back and forth that... Uh, you know what kind of you know like gay storyline they were gonna do mm-hmm. with George Takai because because Roddenberry knew you know mm-hmm. and he was like, well we just I think they did an episode with uh, Ahura kissing Kirk mm-hmm. and he was like, well there's just a blackout in the <laughs> south so I don't know how much more like daring we can get interesting you know? mm-hmm. but at least he was able to have that conversation mm-hmm. you know and that's the part that I feel is 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 not happening. In we don't okay. see enough diversity in, especially in science fiction. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Since I know we're both on the WEC at the Writers Guild, because you know the next the next panel we're going to be doing. I'm on I'm on the um, committee right now to have the panel with feature writers moving into TV. So, because you guys are moving into TV now, so let's talk about your process into that a little bit. How we're moving in. Yeah, like what you're... Oh, well... Because um, writing TV is completely different, yeah. you know? Well, I'm not sure if this is the right answer to your question, but um, we have just written four pilots mm-hmm. and three specs. Okay. Specs to get us in the room, get us the meeting, and our, our own stuff, you know, see what happens with it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, learning the style for... TV writing w- is a learning curve. Sure. And once you get that knocked out, it's the, it's the same idea bank that you had oh, yeah. to do your new material. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing that right now. Because I heard you say earlier, <clears throat> we're in this sequence. And I went, ah, okay. You guys went to USC? Is that what it was? Because mm-hmm. I know USC is like all into the sequence approach. So I don't know if that's how you guys studied well, or not. We can't claim that we actually went there. We were there for one of their 
extensive school program. Okay, so was I. So mm-hmm. I feel you. Yeah. And so was mm-hmm. So, um, uh, because I always teach everybody, once you move over into doing TV, is if you think about it in the sequence approach way where, you know, there's like eight sequences, for instance, for a feature film, shorten them up. <laughs> you know, but now they're doing like six, eight, you know, um, acts now on TV. On TV so yeah. you just think about them in the same way and just tighten them all up shorter. And that's how you reverse it for you as a production film and TV. The only thing you have to do, and Lisa knows I talk about this all the time, because I'm somebody who puts together little small writer's rooms and writes, you know, pilots like you know, you know, for a friend of that we both know. And um, the one issue I have, film writers don't understand speed. They don't get it. They all think, oh, when I get in a room, I'll be fine. No, motherfucker, I need you to have an outline tomorrow. You know, and they don't. You mean tomorrow, tomorrow? Tomorrow. (laughs) And they don't understand. So I'm telling you, if you aren't doing it yet, Y'all practice on getting, how can we turn this in by Friday if it's Tuesday? <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because sometimes they're going to be in the crunch and be like, damn, the network is on us. You, we're going we're gonna to put it on the brothers because it's two of them. Yeah. They could do it in like two or three days, right? It's two of them. Overnight. Practice. Yeah, you know what? There's a, um, a show we like, mm-hmm. and, and there was an actor on that show that we liked, and... He was no longer on the show, and mm-hmm. we actually knew a guy who worked on the show, and so we said, hey, where's another guy? And they said he was not able to handle the rigors mm-hmm. of learning his lines right. that much, that fast, and go, go, go. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn. And I learned then that TV just does not mess around. They don't play. You don't have time. Nope. You have to, you get, I mean? you have to make your day because the next day is coming, and they're just – and you have to be – I mean, because it could be on the air. That's and you need to be ahead is, yeah, is the problem. Yeah, so, you know? So the key guys, is to be ahead three to five episodes mm-hmm, ahead so yeah. you don't have to deal with, oh, shit, this script sucks. We need to completely rewrite it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You want to still have a week or sometimes, depending on the show, two weeks, mm-hmm. you know? Well, now, you know, have, have you ever actually compared a stage actor's work to a guy who doesn't do stage acting work? Oh, yeah. It is so night and day. Mm-hmm. And that might be why everybody from England is just oh, yeah. killing, killing the game oh, yeah. right now. <laughs> because that preparation method mm-hmm. is so much. Just, I'm going to tell you, I'm a theater yeah. snob. I come from yeah. the theater. Okay. <laughs> I'm from San Francisco. I'm like a theater snob about it. You so know. whenever I'm casting and I do a lot of casting sessions and I produce a lot of things, I'm looking at people's resume going, yeah, yeah, he started on that, he started on that. Oh, wow, he did one foot over the cuckoo's nest. I'm like, okay, he's trained. Yeah, he was yeah, at yeah. ACT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was at NYU. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm looking at that. I'm like, okay, I can deal with this dude right. yeah, or this yeah. woman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She, she's going to know what upstage and downstage means and not be like, well, where do I go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. looking at technique. Same thing for TV you know? writing, yeah. Right. So. Well, I, I mean, you know, just recently, you know, like, there's a pilot we're developing, and we got notes back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, oh, you know what we should do? Like, let's just, like, it was, on a, it was like you said, it was on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And we're like, let's not get out by Friday, because let's just pretend that it's like we were got notes You got to do that. Okay. That's the way to do you it. Know, um, and it wasn't that difficult for us to do, but, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think our method of how we work allows us to be quicker because sure. there's two of us mm-hmm. but I feel that like you said the biggest thing the difference is you gotta be on the air and with movies you know that I mean people always say to you now it's like you're not making your movie you're making a release date mm-hmm. and it's like and so unless you have like the movie that's got the release mm-hmm. date 
for these Marvel films, mm-hmm. then, you know, you can be like Dallas Buyers Club. It's been 10 <laughs> years getting the script right. You know? it's mm-hmm. like, and then the writer feels he's got that kind of time and mm-hmm. he can mull over stuff and he thinks he's going to... I think there's this whole... I think there's still a, a, a mentality... I think there was like a shift in like the eighties when, you know, like these or the late seventies when the, these people come out of film school is mm-hmm. that people didn't want to write the great American novel anymore. They want to write a great American screenplay. Sure. They feel like, well, I've got you know three to five years to write my novel. I got three to five years to write to, to, you know, to, to, to write, write my script. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like you can't do that. I, I mean, there's there's t- I mean, n- number one, one of the cool things about television is is that because it's, it's so immediate. You can react to things that are happening in the world, and you sure. can get it into your story, mm-hmm. and you, you know, so that's so that's part of like, mm-hmm. to me, I think that can be part of the gratification. Yeah, because if anything is like in a movie, it won't be out for a, at least a year, yeah. and mm-hmm. that means that it'll already be gone. Right. True. And you're looking like, oh, you're so late. <laughs> True. Now, let me just ask you, because um, we're we're catching up on time here um so i don't know if i told you lisa but chris is um going up for the the board of directors at the writers guild Hmm. there's like what is it one minority person i believe on the board i don't think is there anybody i I think now i don't know if there is one now. yeah i don't think there's anybody so uh a lot of us at the writers guild are pushing to get chris on the board to represent us because i know he has a big stance there Everybody knows him at the Writers Guild for years, and people respect him. Right. So let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I mean, like, I was approached by uh, Winnie Calhoun mm-hmm. to run, and um, just tell the people who don't know who the hell Winnie Calhoun okay, is. Damn it, so y'all should know. Yeah, she's <laughs> a good friend of ours. She's a writer, producer. Mm-hmm. She's a she's an EP or mm-hmm. maybe co EP on on Empire, the new the new thing with Lee Daniels. Mm-hmm. She was. Supervising producer on Nashville for two mm-hmm. seasons. She was on uh, Justified, Justified before that. Yeah. She was on Life, mm-hmm. which was one of my favorite shows. Um, and you know, she and basically like Glenn Mazzara were kind of the guys who were kind of championing me mm-hmm. to just basically to run. And, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because they, you know, the whole nominating committee was very clear about we need to have younger people and we need people of color on mm-hmm. the board. We cannot continue effectively Thank as a Jesus. union by having these older white men. I mean, and, and and there were many white men there in the room mm-hmm. who were signifying that. I mean, like even Carl Gottlieb, you know, who mm-hmm. wrote Jaws was saying that mm-hmm. because I think they recognize that that, you know, basically kind of on like a strictly financial level to keep the guild solvent. You got to have as many writers in there as possible, mm-hmm. you know, who, I mean, the pool of writers got to be big. So mm-hmm. get as many people as you can. And, you know, so to me, like, I wanted to do it. I thought about it and I wanted to do it because there was a friend of mine who just got her first staffing job mm-hmm. in the like last November on a show and who that? Uh, Shout him out. I don't want to say because this is what happened. She had oh, a, something she, bad happened. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, Never mind. <laughs> she had a lot of hard times mm-hmm. on the show and she had not worked in, it was her first job really in, okay. in ever, and she didn't understand the politics very well. She mm-hmm. was like, I just thought I got to write, mm-hmm. you know, and I would like talk to her maybe a couple times a week about like mm-hmm. how to understand what those politics are, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and so much of what she told me was basically, they don't like a woman of color, 
you know, yeah. like they was getting like basically that. Now she, you know, she's not black, but just that sense of like not being part of the the, the boys, boys club, club. Yep. And, you know, and the white boys club, mm-hmm. and that was, and it just felt like, you know, and she's a really good writer, and I just felt like that is just so criminal. And I've heard that story a lot from sure. people. I mean, you know, the whole concept that, you know, particularly like you know, like black writers don't know how to write. Mm-hmm. I've heard that a lot of times that they're more, they're more harder sticklers on like spelling and grammar mm-hmm. on scripts from black people. And I just felt like you know that was that that felt wrong to me, you know. So I felt like okay, so if I run and I'm gonna be the diversity candidate, one of the diversity candidates, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like is that a bad thing? And I was like, not necessarily because. I don't. I think Larry Wilmore was the last mm-hmm. African American, but I might be wrong. But mm-hmm. it's it's such a long time ago. Yeah, long so I feel time. like, you know, <laughs> I mean, what do, what do you think you're gonna bring to it? What do you what do you what do you want to do? Well, what do you want to see? You know, like I want to see more work with the showrunner training program okay. because that's where everyone's getting their jobs now and in the future to to have to let them know to be more inclusive. Mm-hmm. Like there's guys, there's a thing called the diversity action committee and like, mm-hmm. I know that Glenn Mazar is on that. I know that, um, that, um, Alfredo um is on yeah, it? yeah. Alfredo yeah. Barris is on mm-hmm. it. And, and, and they continually say that it's more profitable for your show. Oh my God. To have a mm-hmm. diverse staff, diverse characters, because more people will watch. There's stuff. It's like seen. basic math, people. God damn it. It's just yeah. basic. That's true. I, I mean, like, the, I, I think we were doing, we were doing research one time, and like, there's a lot of times in the last couple of years where um, Telemundo. Mm-hmm. Is is winning the night on the broadcast, right? Yeah, interesting. Because, you know, and you're kind of like, if you can only get some percentage from that audience to watch mm-hmm. your show, mm-hmm. then your show is now gonna. I mean, is gonna win. So, so, so that's something that I, I I'm really strong about. I mean, but diversity for me is not just people of color. It's right. women, because you know there was that whole thing that about that guy in Santa Barbara who killed all those women because mm-hmm. he had this sense of entitlement like mm-hmm. but he's seen all these messages in the in TV and movies that 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 men who aren't the alpha males mm-hmm. still get these hot women and it's like the sure. way that women are depicted in television is is basically a fact that there's not enough women writers okay. who are there to say yeah that's not what we would find cool or yeah. you know this you know this is the fifth race this is the fifth race this is her whole done. speech right you know? yeah so <laughs> don't be putting Sofia Vergara up on stage and have her spin around at your Emmy show and think that's okay well Got it. <laughs> no, I understand. Like beautiful women, I understand that. In the but, like really, just you know, yeah. she's the only one out there. Like it'd be different if you had a wide variety of Latino women out there. Then it'd be like, yeah. you know, she just doing her thing. She, but when she's the only one out there, it's like, oh, we doing Charo mm-hmm. 2.0. Yeah. Well, now you know what, our new TV pilot that we're shopping has a very strong Latina. Presence, black woman presence, mm-hmm. young, ch- uh, like high school age kids, oh college kids, and an adult who's like in his young 50s, white, black, Latin, and, you know, women. And so we're hoping that some of these networks like HBO, who have gigantic black membership, that we give a show that they can relate to, as well as white people, because why would whites watch an all-black show? Mm-hmm. Maybe they, you know, they don't know. But 
which we're always suspect when people say, I love The Wire. We're like, mm, what's yeah, up with you? like a year late. <laughs> but, but after all the buzz went by, like, let me, let me <laughs> binge watch real quick. <laughs> we studied why certain things work. Mm-hmm. And this show that we're now presenting, we feel, has a, a, it, 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 it should not lose for those reasons. Is this heavy liquid or was it you know, heavy liquid? Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, well, oh, I like that title. You know, and the thing about it too is that you know these, I think Netflix and Amazon are a lot more accurate at the type oh, yeah. of who their audiences are because mm-hmm. they, you know, they're able to do all that kind of demographic type of like big data crunching that the mm-hmm. other people can't because they don't really know who's watching their stuff. Um, and so, I mean, that I think will open up what's happening because because. I don't think that Orange is the New Black works on, you know, on pay cable or basic cable. It works on Netflix because they know. They have to know that our audience is Latino, it's black, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's it's gay and lesbian. It's all mm-hmm. this. And we have the, you know, I guess it's somewhat like insidious, but we have the di- the data, the proof. Sure. We're watching. They got some yeah. strong algorithms that they <laughs> use to yeah. figure out. So, I'm sure. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, so, that, I mean, so that's why we, we really think that those places would be a great home for heavy liquid. I mean, because th- there's there's no reason why, you know, this happens. I mean, and, and to your comment about the wire, I mean, I, I sometimes always wonder, is it because everyone who's white, do they like the story about McNulty? Mm. Is that the only reason why that they, they, can, they can really watch that show? You know, where like, you know, like, I mean, then people joke about the Omar character, but he's so fresh and fascinating that you can't not find that, you sure. can't dismiss He's that. a black cowboy. Yeah. In yeah, the Wild but, West, you know, but but the rest of it is, I mean, <laughs> is so fascinating. I mm-hmm. mean, the the season about the politics. I think season three was mm-hmm. really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy, um, I forget the actor's name, but he would go she. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, those yeah. guys like that, like like you know, we like, met him at a bar one time. Did you? Right? Super yeah. nice guy, mm-hmm. super cool dude. Mm-hmm. But I think that that those type of characters, you know, like he's the corrupt politician, mm-hmm. right? He's part of the party machine but he's not like you know the he's not the he's, he's not the boss hog type mm-hmm. of party machine guy mm-hmm. he gave us something this that was so much more rich than that and mm-hmm. that's where i think that we are lacking and that's mm-hmm. what i think that the writers guild like needs to be like more in charge of or not in charge of, but more just championing of i mean Absolutely. i know that i i know there's always this thing where the directors guild goes out and they have oh, the yeah. hard numbers and say, mm-hmm. you didn't hire, any, you know, there's there's no one black or no one Latino, as well as no women like, who hired on your show like last season to direct any episodes. And then the next season, there's a change, yeah. you know. Because I, I know my mentor, Paris Barkley, is right behind all yeah. that shit. And he's like, fuck <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. They got <laughs> a bad know? report card and they oh, yeah. worked hard to improve oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's funny with Paris because he's like on, I, I mean, it's arguably one of the whitest shows on TV since Anarchy, but they do spend the time to have those Latino guys oh, yeah. and the one-liners. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not, and they're not written as like stock bad characters. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they really have. Everybody has. This, this, they're nice. Kind sure. Of nice nuances. Three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank you guys for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. But look, we're going to get into Lisa's, you got a quick clap back? Sure. It's really an apo- a clap back to you. Okay. <laughs> Tell them what the clap okay, back is so really Okay, so what had happened was the other day. Okay, Tell them what it is. Okay, so the clap back for those of you who don't listen to the show or haven't heard the show. 
Okay, very good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is the show. But the clapback is basically my when something is going on, it's my way of, you know, I'm not saying it's a stereotype, but I'm just saying it just might be the Italian part of me coming out where I need to let you know that something is not cool or it could be in the plot like, yeah, you or whatever it is. It's just for uh-huh. me responding to something. Got it. And so basically the other day, uh, it was this Monday. We <laughs> Stop it. This Monday we put out an episode uh, about writing uh, women characters. And I'm really, really. It's a great uh, episode, yeah. It's it's something that's near and dear to my heart because of the intersections of me being a female, for mm-hmm. one. you know. And the idea was that I had wrote an essay. Uh, there's a book called The Wisconsin Chronicles, Volume 8. And I wrote uh, an essay in there talking about how when I and some of you guys have heard me talking about this before when I talk about Michonne from Walking Dead and I talk about uh Abby Lieutenant Abby on um oh my god my show it's my show what's my show Sleepy oh, Hollow, Sleepy Hollow yeah. and I was talking about how when people talk about the the idea of what a strong woman is and mm-hmm. my my take on that when I was talking about the intersections especially from a feminist bent mm-hmm. was when you talk about strong women characters when it comes to black women that is very dangerous because we are always mm-hmm. known as the strong True. black woman. It really harms us. It's not a compliment when people say that, even though I know in the community among the folk, the skin folk, <laughs> we say that my mom's a strong black woman. It's like, yeah, but she probably mentally stressed because she doesn't have any outlet. She has no nuances. So when you're constantly saying okay. it's a strong black woman or the sassy, it's like, stop it. I have to stop you. Right. And so we were talking about how that whole concept of women being strong and not only just for black women or women of color, but also just the concept of women always having to be kick-ass to be valued. So we put out this episode about writing care. I think the first title we have for it was Writing Strong Women Characters. And I tweeted to Hilliard. I said, oh. He, Hold I on. Wait, wait, she okay. tweeted the motherfucker to everybody. <laughs> I wasn't thinking. So this is what happened. He put up the episode and it said, oh, okay, strong women characters. And so, and then like, I think it was like maybe 20 minutes later, you changed it to writing impactful women No, the next day. It was up there the whole time. And I just tweeted like, oh, great. You know, hey, I really, hey, that's really great that you changed the title of that because that strong thing was kind of cliche. And then he texted me. (laughs) See? I wasn't thinking. Look, look. And then I said, and I said, that was not my text. So I deleted it, even though it's there forever and it's it's done. (laughs) The, con- the thing what I meant about that is the idea is when you talk about a strong woman character, mm-hmm. that trope is so tired and overused. What you really mean to say is either impactful or nuanced or three-dimensional women characters mm-hmm. because we're not writing. Come on, you've heard me say this before, people. 50% of the audience of the people who are going to see your fucking movies are women. Mm-hmm. And yet, less than what, 8% of the roles yep. were always the sidekick, the jump off, the whatever we're like mm-hmm. the little carrot to you know stimulate men to go see it and this is all across the board you see it in <laughs> video games you see it in fan everything yeah. all right and my thing is we just need to step away from the idea of talking about strong women and just writing really phenomenal great women characters okay. because we have to really step up our game in terms of our thinking of what it means to be strong mm-hmm. because a lot of times most people when they hear strong woman they think oh okay Angelina Jolie kicking butt in spandex and looking fly and fabulous and it's like that's tiresome. It's mm-hmm. old. You 80s. We're not in the 80s anymore. <laughs> it's 90s. We're not in the 90s anymore. You mm. need to do better. So mm. I just wanted to like clap back to myself okay. and just say, you know what? That's not my intent when I said that because the cliche it is a cliche, but it was like when you changing it to impactful, yeah. I thought that like, yeah, that's what it really is about. And so it's just funny no, it when you texted note. me. It was a good when you note. texted me, I was like, oh shit. I, just I texted it. I was like, you realized. on Twitter. You realized you blasted that out on Twitter, right? It's nobody like, saw I don't it. know what the fuck I'm talking about. Nobody, nobody, nobody saw it. 
Nobody saw that. Everybody nobody saw, saw it. it. Only like eight hundred people you yesterday. Stop it. You know, you, nobody saw that. I saw it too. But that's just stop it. But See that's the thing. But it's an episode that's up right now for this week. It's um, writing impactful characters. But I just want writers to understand that when you use those terms like strong, step away from those because that's that's not how, that's not that's not what it means anymore. Okay. Okay. And especially when you're dealing with black women characters. Right. And I'm not trying to come down on people who like sassy black women or who, who <laughs> embrace their inner Beyonce and think that's what it is. <laughs> but we're a lot more nuanced. We're a lot more complex than all right, that. All right. And when you're writing about women, you need to understand Baby, this is where your money is coming from. <laughs> and if you don't write women well, pushback is real. <laughs> pushback is real, and we will come for you. You know you've heard me call people out on the show. People who probably, be, I would be hoping they give me a job. But you mm. know what? I'm too grown for that. A job is just a job. A job is not my life. Okay. So if I never get work ever again, look at me. My hand is going up, and I'm twitching my head. Y'all don't see that. <laughs> And her neck is moving. And my neck is moving. We got you on video tape. See, we got you on video tape. <laughs> and if I can say it in Italian, my grandmother would be very happy for me right now. But um, you know what I'm saying? Like, but don't be writing that shit. All right? Do better. And that goes for women. Okay, too. on that note. That's my clapback. You should learn some of that in Italian. I exactly. should. I should. It's terrible. All my, my siblings are all bilingual, trilingual. They learn three languages. <laughs> they live over there. Uh, but me, because well, you know, it's America. In America, mm-hmm. English is what it is. So I was raised, you're not going to learn French, you're not going to learn Italian, you're not going to learn the Choctaw language. Hi, shout out to all my Chata people. The Mississippi band, the Choctaw Indians. Hey fam, how'd it do? Work it out. Okay, but, we're running late, guys. All right, go, go it ahead. It doesn't matter. <laughs> do better. Because I would like to do you guys a script, even though we're running late. I still would love to do it. That's for you. Did I give it to you yet? Yes. You have it? So we're going to do the segment we call the Don't Sleep On Them segment. And... It's usually for writer people don't know. A lot of people know y'all motherfuckers because y'all somebody. Y'all in the y'all got y'all motherfuckers on the list and shit. Yes. But um, we're gonna read a little. It's segment a long from list the- though. <laughs> <laughs> Why y'all gotta be number twenty six? Okay. <laughs> Look. Um. So this is a segment we usually read from a cool ass, you know, young writer or, or writers. You know, just like their little opening scene to show you like how fucking cool they are. <clears throat> and um. So this is you guys' script. It's called Heavy Liquid. It's a pilot. Why don't you uh, give us a quick gist of what it's about? The scene or the, or the, the, the show? It's about a coffee importer whose son is biracial, mm-hmm. and he is realizing that he has no connection to his culture, so he's going to reinvent himself, going to college as a freshman, by pledging the roughest African-American fraternity <laughs> on the yard. Sounds familiar. Sounds I think it might be true to life or some <laughs> shit. I don't know. But I am actually not biracial. <laughs> this scene is the opening scene where we first meet his father, Eddie Pierce, mm-hmm. in Ecuador performing his first coffee import deal. Okay. Can, can I ask really quickly how to pronounce the first, the streets of... Oh, it is pronounced... Guayaquil. Guaya. I'm just going to write it phonetically. A Let's very go. interesting <coughs> place to go. If you have a chance, you should go down there. <laughs> okay, very good. And all oh. the way to the end? No, we'll stop. Um, where did you decide you wanted to stop? Uh, we can st- we can However much time you have. Let's stop at... Let's stop at step on it. At the bottom middle. Okay. On the okay. second page. Mm-hmm. Second mm-hmm. page, bottom... <coughs> oh, okay. All right. Cool. All right. Heavy liquid, y'all. Let's go. Exterior. Streets 
of Guayaquil, late afternoon. We're in the back of a taxi, moving, reckless. A lawless section of this mashup metropolis. Cab driver screams at bad drivers as we bend around the corner. Horn, blaring. Interior, ca- taxi, moving. Drenched in sweat, crouched in the back seat, is Morris Enderman, Eddie's partner, glancing over his shoulder to see if he's lost the people chasing him. Morris, a polished Englishman in his mid-60s, with the wit and guile of a news anchor. He's witnessed Hold every... On. You on the second page. Am I on the second page? Yes. <laughs> How did you do that? See the top? Oh, I thought we were starting down here. Fade in. Oh, no. oh we're going to edit this. I oh. said, stop oh, down there. Oh, okay. oh you want me to okay, stop listeners, down Okay, listeners, forgive us. Sorry. Just bear with us. So here we go. Heavy liquid. And now you want me to stop on that? Okay, got it. Yes. My bad, people. All right, here we go. All right. I, wanna mess, I want you to mess up their work. All Let's right, go. All right, here we go. Fade in, exterior, shipping port late afternoon. Massive freighters loom beneath the clouds, the final streaks of yellow wage war against an encroaching purple sky. Title, Wyacool, Ecuador. A switchbait springs open, jabbing a hole into a 50-pound bag of coffee beans with an elegant V stenciled on it. A pair of hands scooping out beans, decadence like the Virgin Mary holding holy water, Mm. offering them to Eddie Pierce, early 50s. Eh, Thinks they're still good in the world. He's imbalant, his indolent charm masks the fact that he's a five-time loser entrepreneur who'll do anything to get his piece of the American dream. Eddie inhales. The bean's aroma percolates in his mind, his spirit. This is how fortunes are made. Eddie approves. The grubby guy with the switchblade motions to the stevedores. They push this final pallet, stacked with bags of coffee beans, into an enormous metal shipping container filled with thousands of bags. They lock and seal the door. Eddie, watching a cargo crane lifting three shipping containers onto a freighter. Interior freighter, command deck, day. The captain eyeing Eddie on the dock with his two suitcases. He's agitated, checking his watch again and again. The captain's cell phone rings. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. He is not happy. I would tell him. Exterior, streets of Guayaquil, late afternoon. We're in the back of a taxi moving reckless, a lawless section of this mashup metropolis. Cab driver screams at bad drivers. As we bend around the corner, horn blaring. Interior, taxi moving. Drenched in sweat. Crouched in the back seat is Morris Enderman, Eddie's partner, glancing over his shoulder to see if he's lost the people chasing him. Morris, a polished Englishman in his mid-sixties with the wit and guile of a news anchor. He's witnessed every ugly aspect of humanity and is no longer phased by it. Ramon, if it's now trouble, a little faster, please. The cabbie nods, Morris looking back, a menacing matte black SUV vaults out of an alley. Morris ducking down. Exterior, black SUV continuous. Too late. The passenger pulls a pistol. Murder on his mind. There's that son of a bitch. Interior, taxi, continuous. Morris sees a sputtering chicken wire truck full of roosters up the road. Exterior, black SUV. The hard-charging SUV driver zigzags through traffic. Cabbie honks at the chicken wire truck. Oncoming traffic is too dense. Morris, leaning up front, grabbing the wheel. Damn it, Ramon. Give me the wheel. Step on it. Uh Uh-oh. Cool. Here we go. All right. All right. Can I just say right off? Go ahead. I love the action sequence because it's constantly moving. Constantly moving. It's moving, like, especially on the second page. It's not big, you know, extraneous descriptions of anything. It's just moving, moving. And mm-hmm. immediately as my eye is going down the page, mm-hmm. I feel that tenseness. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm in the back of the taxi leaning forward, like, Dude, you, need to, you need to move faster. And can I say something about sure. the language? Going back to the front, a lot of the descriptions... Uh, especially the one part where it says Eddie inhales, the beans aroma percolates in the mind. There's a lot of mm-hmm. visual mm-hmm. Um, things that even though you're reading it, 
you might not see it in the, uh, you'll see it on the film, but in the reader's eye, mm -hmm. you're smelling that coffee. It really, there's a really lot of tangible things that kind of puts you in with your senses in this. And I really want to know what happens next because it's like, I love these type of stories and this action. You know, you know my favorite line What's is? What's that? <laughs> Decadence like a Virgin Mary. Shut up. Holding hold, holy hold. water. Look, that shit. look. <laughs> that shit. Wait, wait, read that one more again. Read one more again. <clears throat> Decadence like the, like the Virgin Mary holding holy water. That shit is bad. Offering. And the idea of offering like an offering mm -hmm. to something. Mm -hmm. That one of the things we try to tell people all the time, if you can get and use words that visually just say what you need to say without wasting three or five or seven lines to get that image in your eye, you're doing some serious work. Because every word on the page has got to do the work of like five or six lines. Mm -hmm. You do not have the time to read a script and worry about reading a lot of extraneous stuff that doesn't need to be there. Like I really like on the first page how the paragraphs, they're short. We're in there. Visual. Eddie. Grubby. Just the language alone is really, really good. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's using Spanish and we're getting outside of the U.S. <laughs> is exciting to me. What else? Um, I love the uh, lawless section of the mashed up Petropolis. Metropolis. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's clever. Um, and then he's witnessed... Every ugly aspect of humanity and, and is no, no longer phased by, by it. it. That's cute. That says a lot That's about cute. him without yeah. having to say he's this and that. And the idea of the Englishman and the guy of a news anchor, like mm -hmm. e immediately I have a visual of what I think this guy looks like. Mm -hmm. And I'm there with that character. Now, can I ask what's going to happen next? <laughs> <laughs> with chicken a wire? Gonna happen. <laughs> Do I have to wait? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Um, he's, okay, Morris has just completed a transaction that he does not want his partner to know about. That's why he's he's at the docks waiting for him and they're late because the boat has to leave the harbor mm -hmm. by a certain time. The only problem is, what's going to happen is um, Eddie thinks they're going to meet at the boat docks to go to the airport. Mm. But there's people looking for Morris mm -hmm. at the airport. That's why he has suggested we're going back to Miami by boat mm. with our our um, shipment. Mm -hmm. And Eddie's like, well, uh, okay, I guess. Having no idea that Morris is arranging smuggling deals, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. two of which on the way home, that boat will be actually hijacked by pirates. <laughs> so, so Eddie will <laughs> never even know of this attempt at smuggling this yeah. time. Mm -hmm. and But you, the audience, know Wait a minute! You're so naive. Your partner is actually ah, going to get irony. you in some yeah. shit one of these days. Right. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, good job, guys. Thank That's you, what's thank up. You. Thank That's you. what's up. Thank you. Hey, man. Thank you guys for being here. That's the Derek brothers, y'all. Chris and Will. Shout out to y'all. Thanks for having us. <laughs> and you know what? Go ahead. You guys can't see this guy, but he has perhaps the tightest fade I've ever seen. <laughs> right out the barbershop. This is just me skill. Razor you blade, child, that's, bleeding. That's Get him a band aid. Exactly. Shit just, just fucked that up cut. all up on the face. <laughs> Trust me, if I had them curls, my shit would be long and afro, just curly. So, Trev, thank you guys for being here, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Hey, you got fun. any anywhere people can reach you guys on um, like Twitter? You, you guys, Facebook? What y'all doing? Yeah, we're on Facebook, each of us. Uh, we each have Twitter accounts. Mine is um, um, at. Uh, unauthorized uh, CBD, 
I'm at Skeffy Rexo at William Derrick. <laughs> what? <laughs> you would be some Spell funny it shit. Phonetically <laughs> at William Derrick and Facebook William Derrick the Third. That's what's up. <laughs> Lisa B, where you at? I'm on Twitter. Don't follow me. <laughs> Jeez. She don't because you know I got that app that let's yeah. call is that what it's called don't follow me no no it just means literally don't follow me on Twitter because this is what happens I have that app that lets you know when people unfollow you and because this is what happens this is what happens when you come to Lisa World they mm-hmm. hear me talking about film they hear me talking about sci-fi and comic books True. but then when I talk about something else that makes people uncomfortable they're like I need to unfollow it's like if you're gonna follow me you need to follow the whole entirety of me and right. not just little tiny compartmentalized things that make you comfortable. Get okay. married because for the long I, haul. Yeah, you, you in there. You in there. So oh, and, that's what's and, up. And also, um, we're also on Instagram. Um, me, it's William Derrick. And my brother's is at... It's the same as the Twitter, unauthorized CBD. Okay, mm-hmm. unauthorized CBD. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, huh? Yeah. And uh, we're going to play... As we leave out, um, I'm gonna play a little song for y'all from my man Will. What, what's what's number four? It's called The Lines. Yeah, so I'm gonna play an original song from Will um, as we go out. I'm gonna play it later though. Um, as we go out, and um, so I'm Hilliard Gas. You guys can follow me on Twitter um, at Hilliard Gas. You and your little British <laughs> Or accent. check us out mm-hmm. at Screenwriters RR on Twitter, and please give us a five star review on iTunes and Stitcher, because we need that shit. <laughs> um, and if you guys want to submit to the... Uh, um, boy, I can't lose it on my mind today. Don't sleep on the them The Don't segment. sleep on them segment. You guys want us to read something from you, um, hit us up, screenwritersrentroom at gmail.com. Again, thank you, Chris and Will. Lisa, mm. what do we do? We keep it street. Mm. We keep it opinionated. Yep. We keep it what, y'all? 100. Peace, y'all. Ciao, ciao. Later. Things just ain't the same for filmmakers. Messing with these cardboard cats, that's a deal breaker to real fakers. Probably promise they could fund your serial projects. But you can't find it when you're blinded by material objects. Check your boys, who are not your boys. They're flashy fake fangs and welcome to the suction. And women, real stat dimming in the art of seduction. It's the green like district. Where you at? You can catch me in the spot where they talk the game. Put your name in the star in the Hollywood Wall of Fame. And if you're blowing that green, it takes critical condition like a pro on a team. It's all for show on the scene. To get a show on the screen from all the stories you heard. Would you know what I mean? Somebody put a gun to my head. Check it out what she said. There's no map, so how can you walk and not be lost? Best friend OD'd on Eve before they got to flaws. And fools rush in like fruit to the juicer. Lift ticket to the mountain, executive seducer. Every day in LA has a night, somebody's going down. Going down. For the line, for the line. Some amateurs are asking directors if they can be casting directors. Be careful, most don't wear smashing protectors. Like your acting teacher, let me get this straight. You want me to pay you to teach me how to do what you haven't done yet? What are you smoking? Lots of lines get them high on sunset. Where fake lecturers get paid with no credits. Don't let it devastate the beauty of L.A. Like dating in L.A. A whole lot of hating in L.A. But back before I had ethics, life was a tad hectic. Had me eating like a diabetic by the bag. Stuck in 
the cops driving around with expired tags. Do you default to risk it all on true skill? If you have something to fall back on, don't doubt your will. This could all be a dream. Keep sleeping and reaching for the red or the blue pill. Somebody put a gun to my head. Check it out what she said. There's no map, so how can you walk and not be lost? Best friend OD'd on E before they got some flaws. When fools rush in like poop to the juicer, lift ticket to the mountain, executive seducer. Every day in LA has a night, somebody's going down, going down. For the line, for the line. You hate yourself. Get in job and your paycheck feels the pain. Smoking with psychos, you might know depression steals your flame. You can't see the picture till you step out of the frame. Ain't it messed up when you shift gears and it still feels the same? How real's the game when you're trapped? Stuck in the same place for years. Single, home alone, still in the case of beers. Never once thinking your time in the struggle was a waste of years. Till the taste of tears makes you face your fears. Oh, I know you. Put that poser at the party. Man, your name's dropping and fake chain shopping and vein popping like the boys in the back of the bus of train spots. It's a bitter scene. What I seen won't be in the magazine for teens. Somebody put a gun to my head. Check it out what she said. There's no map. So how can you walk and not be lost? Best friend OD'd on Eve before they got to flaws. And fools rush in like poop to the juicer. Lift ticket to the mountain. Executive seducer. Every day in LA has a night somebody's going down. Going down. For the line. For the line.